Hey, we are so thankful you're tuning in to the Ron Johnson Discipleship Podcast. Before we get going today, I want to ask you to go to our exciting new website, rjdpodcast.com. Go ahead and scroll down and subscribe to the email list. This will ensure that every time a new podcast release, you will get a reminder and a link uh, to the podcast uh, uh, straight to your inbox. In this era of cancel culture and censorship, we want to make sure we can still get our message straight to you. We are so thankful you're joining us today. Please enjoy this week's Ron Johnson Discipleship Podcast. Hey, welcome to the Ron Johnson Discipleship Podcast. We're going to connect some great truth today about the, uh, the Lordship of Jesus and how he wants us to really seize the divine opportunities that are around us every day. Every day is magical. Every moment is magical. And uh, and we've been talking about seizing moments at Living Stones a lot lately. Yeah, we've been going through this this awesome series called Now. Now. And that was such a good word. Three, three yeah. little characters put those together, and man, they're power-packed. It's like an atom. Yeah. Uh, full of potential. Now yeah. is full of potential. And there's some deep philosophical implications of the now. You know, I remember reading C.S. Lewis writing about how um, sometimes we focus on the past too much, we focus on the future too much. Yeah. But really, the only moment we have is now. The only control yeah. we have is now. And, and that's pretty crazy. When you think, like, as soon as I think about now, I'm actually, it's just, we just moved beyond yeah, the previous the, now. Yeah. And we're in, the, we're in the, the, the immediate present tense is really right. all that we have. We can't live in the future either, really. Right. Uh, and we certainly can't change the past once it's behind us. Uh, all we really have is what God's placed in our hands now. Well, well that's, that's what he said. I mean, I, I'm paraphrasing, but he says something along the lines of now is the moment where we touch heaven. I, I love that yeah. picture of that, the silver line of, uh, lining of heaven touching earth. In the earth yeah. in the now, in the yeah. moment of now. And, and, and that's really the, the, the now. You know, It conveys a sense of immediacy, of urgency, like, wow, now is to be seized. Now is to be maximized. Now is now is to discern what what is the Lord doing now? Yeah. You know, in our lives personally, in our in your life, uh, in the life of our nation. I mean, there's so many applications. But but really, what I felt like the Holy Spirit dropped that little three letter word into my heart because it encapsulated the response of living stones given the the parameters that we find ourselves in. Yeah. And I love what you said. Do you remember that? You you stood up at one of our leadership meetings and basically you were saying, This is where we're at. You know, our, our building is 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 getting is bursting at the seams. We've had an incredible, it's really supernatural season of growth in spite of the pandemic. We've we've exploded. Um, when we got to Easter, we had tripled our pre-COVID numbers, which mm-hmm. is crazy. Uh, and you stood up at that meeting and shared something. Do you remember how you said it? I do, because it was like one of those brave, <laughs> yeah, sure. it, was, it was one of those brave heart speeches. But basically yeah. you said, you know what? In this moment, yeah. we can't go backwards. You know, we can't do nothing. Um, we we can only go forward. Yeah. And forward we must, you know, we must go forward. Uh and uh and I really love that because that to me is now thinking. It's urgency thinking. It's like, you know what? We not only need to move forward, we need to move forward yesterday because the problems we're facing are immediate. Yeah. And we can't expand, put up a building immediately. That takes a there's a process involved, but we need to act now. Yeah. And I wonder how many times in our lives we're confronted with situations 
where urgency is our friend because urgency says, you know what? You're not going to have this opportunity forever. I love that quote. I've been, I've been hitting it for the last three weeks. The, the opportunity of a lifetime has to be seized within the lifetime of the opportunity. Yeah. Wow, what a great quote. Uh, in other words, we have windows of opportunity before us, and those windows don't stay open forever. We have to recognize the window. We got to seize the opportunity, and we got to make it happen within the window. And, and, you know, uh, that's the beauty, I guess, of, of what I've been trying to get across the last two weeks as we've been preaching. Uh, and, in fact, we pulled out a couple of different episodes from Elisha's life, which I think have been the prophet Elisha that have been really insightful for where we're at now. Not like, Again, not just as a church, but as a nation and individually uh, with the myriad of opportunities we have before us today. Yeah, and that message really resonated with our people and the, okay, let's go through the, let's get the brief general overview of the, the story from uh, Lisa's life. Yeah. I, I thought that was such an interesting story because I never really understood what that meant. I mean, the general basis is uh, Lisa, 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 I was calling Lisa, whatever. Oh, well, you call him however you <laughs> want. call him whatever. Elisha, Elisha, tomato, tomato. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the great prophet Elisha, who had the double anointing yeah. of the great prophet Elijah, is dying. You know, so the king who was inexperience and the bible says he was a wicked king he wasn't a righteous yeah, king very young following in the footsteps of his ungodly father right uh and they find themselves uh in a bad spot which is where israel lived for most of the time that yeah. they lived in invaders are coming right yeah they've got an army that's that's coming um and uh enemies at hand and uh and and they have a, a dying prophet and so the king king joash goes to Elisha on his deathbed. This is his last go around here. Yep. And commentators have said that they estimate Elisha's probably in his 90s. So here you've got a man who has lived an incredibly long life, yep. godly life, speaking into the destiny of, of, of a nation that is, you know, goes up and down in cycles. Um, and really, as I shared, when you look at, and you can go ahead and read that first verse, because it really gives some keen insights into into the power of a godly man, yeah, or a godly woman. Yeah, because his uh, the king saw saw Elisha and cried out, "My father, my father! I see the chariots and the charioteers of Israel as they disappear from sight." Elisha tore his clothes in distress. Oh, now that was what he said to Elijah. What the king said, sorry, was uh, visit him, wept over him. My father, my father! I see the chariots and charities charioteers of Israel, reflecting what Elisha said when Elijah left. Right. Exactly. He saw in this man of God the, the basically he was the armed forces of Israel. Yeah. In, embodied. Because he spoke the word of the Lord. He carried the power of God. He spoke the destiny over, over that nation. He gave godly insight and godly counsel and encouragement. You know, so here's a wicked king and a wicked nation, and yet God is still speaking his his destiny yeah. uh, and mercy and kindness over the nation that he's in covenant with. I, I thought it's interesting because back then, you know, chariots are like their tanks. Or oh, yeah. Know, that was that, hot. That was like the warships. That's like their military, you know, pinnacle of their military prowess. Oh, yeah. Chariots. That was incredible incredible technological Techno advancement yeah. right there. That was a smart bomb. Yeah. Whoever had the chariots won the war. Absolutely. You know? So basically he's comparing Elisha to the military prowess and say, you're better than everything we yeah, have. You are our horses and chariots, yeah. you know, which again, 
And I made the point Sunday, you know, the, the greatest defense a nation can have is its own righteousness. You know, when the church is strong and the church is discipling the nation, the nation is strong. And it's the protection of God over a nation, you know, whose God is the Lord that brings the blessing. And when a nation is backslidden, as America is now, when a nation is turned against the Lord, when we embrace evil and we call it good, we open ourselves up to attacks from our enemies. Yeah. And and uh, and we're at a very vulnerable place right now because of the wickedness of the nation. Right. So here you got a wicked nation, but you got a righteous seasoned prophet. Yeah. And, um, and he calls him his father. And we talked Sunday, you know, one of the greatest national treasures that a nation can have or that a church can have is the spiritual mothers and fathers yep. in their midst. And we've got a lot of them here, and I'm grateful for that. We have a lot of amazing men and women of God uh, who really serve as mamas and papas. Uh, they bring comfort, they bring peace, they bring wisdom, they've been through yeah. battles, they've got a history with God. And I just want to share to everybody watching, you know, that should be our goal, is to be at some someday somebody calls you, Mama or Papa, father, mother, uh, they see you as a spiritual father, somebody that they can go to, glean from, receive truth and instruction from. Amen. And um, and boy, we need to take advantage yeah, of this. Yes, men and women who has uh, some battle scars on them, who are not phased by little things here and there. Amen. You know, so. so this guy gets off of his deathbed. Yeah. We know he's feeble, he's weak at this point, and he begins to speak to this young, uh, inexperienced, carnal, godless king. And he says, look, grab an arrow, get a bow, get an arrow. Uh, and I want you to stand here in the window. And he puts his hand on the king's hand on the bow. And he puts his other hand on the king's hand on the string. And they pull back the arrow. And he calls it the Lord's arrow. And it was an arrow of victory over his enemies. I love that. And we, we highlighted the fact that God is essentially here picking a fight with the enemy. That, that was an act of war. It was a declaration of war. So God is picking a, a fight, a battle against his enemies, and he's promising sure victory, which is incredible. Uh, and he puts his hands on the king's hands. It's the picture of the apostolic and the prophetic coming together. It's a picture of, of uh, government and the church working the way they should be working, hand in glove and the firing of that arrow of the Lord into the enemy's territory. And then he told him to do something that was that was powerful. He said, take the arrows and strike the ground. And as we shared, that didn't mean probably grabbing an arrow and hitting the dirt with it. It meant, you know, there's, if you picture them standing at a window, probably overlooking the countryside, and he was to take the remaining arrows and strike the ground. In other words, shoot them into the ground out of the window, shoot them into the ground. Um, and you know the story. He shot three arrows, right. and the prophet was ticked. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. He was angry with the king. He was livid with the king. He said, why in the world did you only shoot three arrows? Now you're only going to get three victories. Why Why didn't you shoot five or six or seven arrows? Why? In other words, the, the point was this man's wearing a, a quiver that's mm. full of arrows. And the reason the prophet was angry is because there were still arrows left in the quiver. And the point was, why didn't you have the same heart, the same anger uh, to, against God's enemies that God has against his enemies? Why why did you not care for your people the way you should have cared for your people? Yeah. Because he was given a promise of total victory, but he went at it in a half-hearted way. And he still had arrows left in his quiver. And I think the point we're trying to get across is, let's live in such a way that when we die— 
there's no more arrows left in our quiver. In yeah. other words, the church cannot afford to play it safe. You cannot be sitting back going, oh, I, I better not shoot all my arrows. I might run out. I might need that one for a rainy day. I, I need to play it safe. Or this whole thing is silly. Why are we shooting arrows into the ground? I mean, who knows what was going on in the king's heart? But the prophet was very, very angry. And basically it was, you know what? You don't care enough. You try enough. You, you don't hate your enemies enough. You don't, you don't care about your people and about their future enough. You went at this in a very half-hearted, lackadaisical way. You, you're going to die with arrows in your quiver, and as a result of your lackadaisical attitude, um, your people are going to be fighting the rest of your day. Yeah, I, I love, I love what you titled the sermon. Title is the sermon: "The Sins of Settling for Less." Yeah. Now, that's such a meaty title because settling for less in our culture, we th- it's not like a grievous sin, right? Right. Um, it's like, well, you know, I guess he didn't go out for it, but, you know, that's his own choice. He, he's choosing to settle for less. That's kind of his own thing. Yep. Like in, in general, human interaction, we don't think that's a big deal. However, from God's perspective, it's a grievous sin. Over and over again, the parables that Jesus told, you know, uh, he talks about the urgent, how God loves and rewards hunger and desperation those who are desperate those who are zealous for god he rewards them and those who are passive who who are lazy who bury the talent bury the talent he calls them wicked and i just think this is a paradigm shift for so many people that's why i think so many people resonate with this message because we all one way or another because of our culture has kind of settled into our comfort zone by settling for whatever it's easy and comfortable for us. And this message was kind of like a a awakening to be like, wait a minute, there might be more, you know? Well, the the thing that hit me was the prophet basically set this scenario up. He's following the Lord. So the Lord set this scenario up to work through delegated authority. The king the king was the representative of the nation of Israel. The king has authority in Israel. And God, recognizing the authority in that king's hands, basically said, when he said strike the ground, that was an open-ended command. He didn't say how many times. He he just said strike the ground. So at that moment, the ball is in King Joash's hands. And what does he do with it? And and the other thing that he doesn't realize, because he doesn't discern the power of the moment. Mm -hmm. He doesn't discern the urgency of now. He doesn't realize that he's just been handed, in a sense, a blank check. God has prophesied victory, and now he says strike the ground. How he does that act of striking the ground is going to dictate the future of the nation. And, I mean, this is pretty stunning. And and yet I think we we need to think about it. So so if you're a a business owner, the the well-being of your employees— depends largely on how you conduct your business. Yeah. If I'm a, I'm a husband and I have eight children, my choices as a father dictate my wife's success, my children's success. Um, you can have an ungodly father doing ungodly things, and I've seen this over and over again. He destroys his marriage and he destroys his family because of the stupid choices, uh, wicked, selfish choices that he makes. And, other, and it's a shame, but it's the truth. Some people say, well, why should a wife have to suffer? Well, unfortunately, spouses suffer because of the bad decisions 
of their covenant partners. Well, why is Israel suffering in this situation? Well, because of the wicked choices of those who should know better and who should be acting in obedience to the Lord. But here, here this king, because he has a, a, a tepid, pathetic response to the word of the Lord, the entire nation is going to be embattled yeah. because this man's lack of urgency. I mean, that just really put the fear of God in me. Yeah, as a leader. As a leader, because I'm thinking, again, and I say this to pastors who are watching this podcast, you're responsible for the well-being of your sheep. You're responsible to move your people forward in courage and in bravery and in boldness. You're responsible to take ground. You're responsible to fight the Lord's battles. Uh, that's what shepherds do. We lead. And when you're looking at a situation today, by and large, in the church, if I asked you, is the church today marked in this moment? Are we marked by bravery and courage? I, I would have to say no. No. <laughs> yeah. We're playing it safe. We've, we've got a, a quiver full of arrows that we're, we, in fact, even to, to today in the church, I mean, we, even the talk about shooting arrows at our enemies is almost viewed as politically incorrect because <laughs> we're, we're just sheep petters. I mean, we're, you know. Yeah. We're, we just hand out lollipops yeah. and, you know, participation awards. That's what the church has become. In fact, we've gotten so twisted that this whole COVID thing has been uh, twisted to where the most kind, loving, compassionate thing we can do is lock our churches and stay home. Uh, so that's how warped our thinking yeah. has become. We are not the church militant. We're not the church victorious. Uh, we're the church that is just sitting out the battle by and large. And I'm telling you, there are consequences to pay when we fail to seize the moment and we fail to move in overcoming faith and confidence and we get our eyes off of the prize, the, the, the mandate and the mission of the church has not changed. Yeah. We are still called to win the lost, to make disciples, to disciple a nation, and to reach unreached peoples. And by and large, there's been many that have just simply for the last year kind of taken a sabbatical. No, I, I, I my perspective on, on this thing is for those who, because I've, Definitely lived my life being guilty of being passive or just being comfortable. We all comfortable. have. We're all guilty. Of and I, I, I look from the father's perspective. You know, I asked the question in my life lessons. Like, have you ever worked with someone who you wanted more than they did? Yeah. You know, I mean, when I was a teacher, I see that over and over again. I want the kid to graduate way more than the kid wants to graduate. Well, here you they know? have this high, overly educated for your for your context. You are highly educated, very bright, and you're working with students that are that are uh, incredibly needy. All right, yeah, less motivated. Yes. Yeah. And, and so here here they're sitting in the presence of someone who can take them to levels they've never imagined achieving if they would just listen and be hungry. But the problem is you wanted their education more than, than they wanted right. their education. It's incredibly frustrating. It's not just in the educational. Uh, yeah. It's in discipleship. It's with my own kids. It happens in the church all the time. All the time. You're like, wow. I and, and and as a leader, one day you realize, like, I can't want it more than you do. Because it's, it's incredibly frustrating. I can't I can't want you. a better marriage for you no. than you want for you. Exactly. I can't lay down my life for you to have a better marriage. I only can only affect my marriage. But, but I, I think from that perspective, you got to understand how incredible it is frustrating from the father's perspective to look at a son and say, like you said, I give you a blank check. Everything I have is available for you. And you're just like, eh, I'm just going to pick these three things. I'm going to go back to my little simple, comfortable, passive, safe life. Yeah. You know, and from the father's perspective, he's like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, what do you, this is, this is how you honor the blessing I gave you. Yeah. You know? I just promised you 
victory over all your enemies. You should be so excited. You should be shooting arrows as fast as Legolas is shooting arrows at yeah. the Lord of the Ring, or as fast as he can get them out. Shoot them all, because that says, I am in full agreement, uh, victory over all of the Lord's enemies. Yeah. And yet, you know, we brought out the point, you know, Sunday. He didn't fail. He quit. Yeah. There's a big difference. You know, as long as you stay in the game, you get it knocked down, you get back up, you keep in pursuit, you haven't failed. You fail when you give up, when you just stop. And, and we talked about that. You know, like we're challenging people right now to join the Lord on this giving journey mm -hmm. and to ask the Lord, Lord, what do you want our family to give? And we, we assured people that number, if it's the Lord, will be bigger than any number you could have imagined yourself because God's bigger and God's trying to enlarge us. That's yeah. what he wants to do. He wants to grow us. And yet, how many people will go, well, well I'm not going to do that. Well, I, I'm not, I can't believe God. That wasn't the Lord. They'll dismiss it. In a, we can't afford that. When what we're saying is, we know you you can't afford it, but God's going to afford it through you. Yeah. In other words, he wants to father you. He wants to teach us. He wants, to, he wants us to have stories of God's great victory. In fact, think about Joash. Can you imagine if he was sitting like revival breaks out in his heart because he realizes the goodness of God, the promise of God for victory. Can you imagine if he would have aligned his faith with the prophet and he would have believed the prophet and he would have acted with urgency? He'd be sitting around surrounded by his grandkids and great-grandkids and he'd be telling the story. You guys should have seen Elisha. Yeah. I was with him on his, on his last you know journey of his life. Here he is, this 90-year-old prophet who's a a national treasure. And let me tell you, he put his hands on mine and he pulled the, yeah. the bow. It was so awesome. And we shot the arrow of the Lord's victory. And then he told me to strike the ground. And oh, I was so excited. I, I pulled out every arrow I could find and I shot it from the bow. And he said, great job, King. Now, because of your courageous act, yeah. your children and your children's children are going to live in peace from all their enemies. But instead... Here's what I did. Instead, I failed. I failed to seize the urgency of the moment. I failed to frame what God was trying to do. I dropped the ball. I quit. And now you've got kids that never survived because their parents were killed. You've got grandkids you never met. I mean, think about the, the multiple generational legacy. You spent years fighting your enemies in a way that God never intended for you yeah. to have to go through. Just, I mean, you talk about the pain. Yeah. He, he's got grandkids that never saw the light of day because they never were born because the father was killed in battle or the, the marauding bands of raiders came through and wiped out the whole village uh, yeah. and they never got to have kids. I mean, th that's the staggering reality of the fact that our choices have consequences and they really matter. Yeah, there's redemption, but there's also consequences. Absolutely. You know, there's freedom. Yeah. Right? I mean, I mean, forgiveness. But guess what? I mean, we see this at Encounter Weekends. Yeah. The man that goes through, you know, 30 or 40 years of, of bad choices, he gets forgiven because he comes to the cross. Um, and now he's on the process of healing. But you know what? Those 40 years of bad choices, the consequences of those choices don't get erased. Right. In fact, many times you still are paying for that. Yeah. I mean, if you destroyed your body through 40 years of drug or alcohol addiction, Jesus can set you free from the addiction, 
But your liver, unless God does a creative miracle, your liver's paying that price. And you probably won't live to be the 80 or 90 years God wanted. You might die when you're 50 because of cirrhosis of the liver unless you have a creative miracle. That's the consequences of our choices. Yeah. Um, and uh, and how many times men have wept because they're like, man, if I would have known what I know now, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have destroyed my marriage. Yeah. Um, that's the pain. And 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 the heart of God is He doesn't want us to go through this kind of pain. He wants us to live in victory. You know, He wants us to yeah. live the blessed life. Yeah, I love the point you made. Is we didn't fail, we quit because in our foggy memory, when we think back on, on in terms of our failures, we often forget. We we confuse those two things. You know, if you've I think about the the for me the most likely example of failing is if I didn't if I fail in the test. You know, I know many people who because of the anxiety of the test or because of the, what's at stake, they just say, you know what, I'm going to stop studying for it. Yeah, well, I won't I even take I it. I can't fail. And not I can't work all, all in and then fail. So I'd rather just not study for. It. But it's so interesting to me because it's like in their head they feel like they failed, but really what they did is they quit. Right. Now, if you went all in and you did the best you can. You probably get a good score, but you never know because you quit studying or you quit even taking the test yeah. or quit going to the tryout or you yeah. quit applying for that job or you quit exercising or you quit the diet or or the, the good habit or quit going to church. We quit, 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 and we think we failed, but we didn't, really we didn't fail. We just quit. Yeah. Even if you failed that one exam because there's, there's stuff you didn't learn and you haven't mastered yet, right. if you keep getting up and moving forward... That failure can turn into an you learn egg. from your mistake. You, know, you yeah, can, you exactly. can master. So you never, you've never failed, even if you failed that momentary test or or an individual battle. Yeah. You still win the war. That's the promise from well, God. It, that's it's it's all about mentality. If you have the right mindset, you can never fail because you redefine failure. But if you have the wrong mentality, you can have win after win supposedly and still be failing yeah. because you quit. You're a quitter. And, and I guess my question in, in, the, in the context of this is like, in what areas have we quit? What areas have we thought we failed, but we simply never follow through? And, and I think I think that the most pressing question as people are listening to the sermon is, are we in this moment? Are we in how, this King Joash? If he knew, he looked back and read the scriptures, okay? He looks back, he's like, oh, that moment, I should have, I should have, I should have fired more arrows, right? But are there, how do we know when we are in that moment? And I I thought about this story. One of my favorite stories is I think it's a Samaritan woman who went to Jesus and said, hey, my son or my daughter is possessed by demons. Really hurt. Can you heal them? And Jesus threw out like one of those trick question answers and says, I was sent only for the Israelites. Right. The the, the, The the sheep of Israel. Kind of testing her because he obviously has a heart for everyone else because he's yeah. Jesus and he went to Samaritan woman. I mean, yeah, she could have got offended and said, "Well, who do you think you are?" Right. You know. <laughs> so she, so he was testing her. He yeah. was, he wasn't going to exclude her, but her response, well, he he says something along the lines of like, you know, what I can't give the food uh, for the children to the dogs. I mean, really kind of demeaning. I mean, the way I read it at least. But her response, instead of being offended, was, but even the dogs get to eat the scraps off the table. It was humble, but it was, she was desperate. She was desperate. I mean, I'm thinking about if my son or my daughter is so sick, and here's a person who will heal, could heal him or her, I would do the same thing. I mean, I will go low. I will do whatever it takes. I'll eat the scraps off your table. One little crumb. I, one little scrap is enough. So there's tremendous humility but there's tremendous faith because she is for sure Jesus can heal. Yeah. 
And but but there's also perseverance. Yeah. They're seizing the moment. I am before the the king of the universe, the master. She had more awareness than the Pharisees yeah. who looked at him and said, "Hey, we're gonna kill this guy. Yeah, kill this guy. He's a heretic." Right. She she had the awareness to, to to of the moment. She had more awareness than this king right here to realize this is my moment to strike, to strike, to strike. Yeah. And Jesus was amazed at her faith and blessed her. So so sometimes we get offended with the Lord. Sometimes our view of ourselves is so tiny. Sometimes we're bound by unbelief. Yeah. God's vision of what he wants to do is so much greater yeah. than, than what we could conceive. We limit ourselves. Well, who am I? I mean, God couldn't be doing this through me. Yeah. You know, um, and it's like, no, come on. If you're a son or daughter of the Most High God, God's intentions for you and God's plan to release goodness for you, that's the beauty of this. God was trying to release goodness yeah. to a people who were really undeserving. They were they were backslidden. And yet God's still wanting to release his goodness and kindness. And you know, the question that we pondered was, how many people around us that don't know the Lord, is he wanting to release his goodness and kindness through people like us who yeah. do know the Lord? But we're not aware of the moment. We're not living in the moment. Yeah. We're thinking ahead or what we got to do or our to-do list. And I'm as, as guilty as anybody trying to slow down and go, Lord, like, okay, like right now, who is it around me that you're wanting to touch? Who is it around me that you're wanting to bless? But I'm not aware because yeah. I'm so focused on my agenda, my life. My checklist. My checklist that I'm, I'm blowing past yeah. opportunities every day for the goodness and kindness of the Lord to be released. And Lord, forgive us for that. Because that ability to seize the moment that we're in and maximize it for the kingdom yeah. is really a learned art and something we all need to Absolutely. Do. I think we need to teach our people to say, hey, look, be aware that God's doing something right now. Yeah. This is the time for you to act. This is the time for you. Because there's a window, right? Right. There's a window. And if you miss that window... I mean, yeah. after think after, of it this way: do our lives, our, our whole life, could be considered a window. I, mean, yeah. I, I have a window. I was born. I'm going to die. I have a window, and I think the message was: man, let's just let's die with with our quiver empty, yeah. not full, because we played it safe. Yeah, that's good. And uh, and let's live life on the edge. Let's be, let's be guilty of, if it's possible, of believing God for too much instead of believing God for too little. Yeah, that's good. Um, let's let's keep pursuing and persevering and not quitting. That's good. Um, let's keep praying and not give up. Yeah. Let's keep giving. Let's keep sowing, uh, and and not and believing that we'll never outgive the Lord instead of being critical and judgmental and negative about finances or whatever. No, yeah. live a generous life. Live your life with your open hand. Yeah. So a good a good word for all of us. And yeah. I, and the, the last thing we talked about in, in closing here is just, you know, the Bible just simply mentions Elisha died and was buried. And I can't imagine what it would be like knowing that, you know, when you have, there's people that you love or people that you know are, are pillars and then they die. And it puts a period at the end of finality to the fact that, you know what, at least in this life, you're never going to have the privilege of, you know, Joash could never go to his father, spiritual father, Elisha, and glean from him ever again. Mm. It's over. That period of life, that opportunity, that now moment, gone. And I wonder if he ever looked back in hindsight and felt deep regret, remorse over the fact that he was given an incredible moment to seize, and he he failed to, yeah. to, to recognize the urgency of the now, the urgency of that moment. I wonder if he ever looked back and went, wow, I really blew it. 
I really blew it. You know, I don't want to have a life full of regrets. I know you don't either, which means we need to value the people, you know, and tell people that you love them, tell people you appreciate them, spend yeah. time with them while you can. Let's make sure we seize the relationships around us and seize what God's trying to do in our generation because that's the only moment we have is now. Amen. I, I, I would pray. This is the prayer we should all have is give us the eyes to see are we in that moment and what, who, um, what circumstance do we need to take advantage of now? And what ways do we need to keep firing that arrows? Amen. You know, whether it's in giving and generosity, whether it's our time, yeah. uh, whether it's our words, yeah. our efforts. Because, um, man, I don't want to have that regret. Amen. You know? So in closing today, uh, whatever it is that you find in your hands today while you're listening to this podcast, what is the thing you need to seize upon now? Who do you need to call now? Who do you need to forgive now? Uh, what do you need to give to someone now? Um, you know, what? which one of your children do you need to pick up the phone and call now? If you're married, what do you need to say to your wife now uh, before you miss the opportunity? Uh, it's kind of a powerful, powerful, empowering thought. And we hope as soon as you get done watching this and you turn off your, your electrical device, your computer, whatever, that you act immediately on whatever it is that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. Yeah. That's how we live fruitful lives. That's how we seize the moment. That's how we move forward. That's how we live a life of victory. So for Pastor Andrew and myself, we just pray, hey, the victory is ours. Let's advance. Let's move forward. Uh, let's advance the kingdom uh, mightily. And let's believe that God is with us. He's putting his hand on that bow. He's, he's right with us. And he's already shot that arrow of victory over your life. So claim the victories and move forward in faith and have an amazing week. Till we meet again, uh, seize the now, all right? Have a great week.